The following presentation is from the 41st Annual Addiction Treatment Leadership Conference, presented by the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, held in Washington, D.C., May 5th through the 7th, 2019. This is General Session 3, Now What? The State of Internet Marketing in 2019, featuring NAATP Quality Assurance Officer Peter Thomas. The session includes John Horton, J.D., CEO of LegitScript, and Caitlin Clark, the Assistant Director of Operations at LegitScript. Their topic is the LegitScript Addiction Provider Certification Program, how it relates to Google, Facebook, and others. That will be followed by a presentation by John McGee. He's the managing partner of Web Consoles, implementing your strategy. I want to officially thank you for being here for the 41st annual uh, convening of the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, our final day. We've got a lot of good sessions uh, in store for you, and um, I hope you've enjoyed the conference as much as I have so far, and enjoy listening to the panel to come. I want to point out that today's breakfast sponsors is uh, Pine Grove and Elena Lodge. These are both really high-quality treatment providers that um, have been involved with NAATP, and I know that the sponsorships are really important for NAATP. Um, I've never put on a conference. I never want to put on a conference, um, but it, it takes a lot of time, um, and it takes some money to get everything in place, and so we appreciate our sponsorship. If you see them um, or stop by their booth, say thank you. Um, I'd also like to remind you that the exhibit halls are open in between sessions, and um, we appreciate when you go by and visit those people and have a discussion with them about their treatment programs. It's a great place to stock up on chapstick and pens and notebooks <laughs> and, and, and candies for the plane trip back home. I also want to remind you that today at noon we have our membership and pack lunch, and that'll be in the Empire Ballroom. All attendees are welcome, um, whether you're a member of NAATP or not. Every, everybody, if you're here, you're welcome. Uh, come to that. It's a free lunch. You don't get a free lunch very often. Um, but there'll be good things going on there. And then later today we have an ice cream social and a raffle at 2.30 p.m. in the Ambassador Ballroom. And it says drop your business cards at participating booths and turn in your or turn in your badge at the entrance at the end of the conference to get your name into the drawing. So don't want to miss that. So why are we here? I'm going to give you a, a, a general idea. This is a panel, um, and we'll start with uh, uh, Peter. Peter will be the first one up, but this is a panel of the um, convened to talk about the role of NAATP, um, the amended NAATP Ethics Code 2.5, um, we have legit scripts here. They will give us some insight um, into the process that, and the work that they've been doing that's been so important for our field uh, over the last year. Uh, I'd like to welcome them back. And um, we also have um, some tips or ideas on use of the web um, from John. And he'll, he'll be, uh, from web consoles, he'll be sharing that information. So it's a little bit of a variety. It's not all the same thing or all the same topic, but it's all sort of interrelated. And uh, I think it's going to be very interesting for everybody. And so I want to tell you a little bit about Peter. Um, as a board member of NAATP and as the chair of the ethics committee, 
Um, I don't know where I would be without Peter's work. Um, Peter does a lot of the work at the association. We've got a great staff. Marvin's um, really gotten a great staff together over the course of a short period of time. Um, but Peter has done the lion's share of work um, with the ethics committee, but many, many other initiatives. And, uh, and, and I personally, I just want to say thank you, Peter, um, because if I if I, he does a lot of the preparation for the ethics committee before we meet, and so I don't know where we would be without him. But Peter um, has been working in the addiction field for six years, um, including positions in executive leadership. Um, prior to joining NATP, he worked as the chief operating officer for Chapter 5 Counseling Center, and he's dedicated much of his time and work working with regulators to increase the quality of behavioral health care. He served as president of the Northern Arizona Recovery Association and co-founded the Arizona Addiction Ab Advocacy Coalition. Through these roles, Peter has assisted in drafting and passage of state legislation protecting consumers while enhancing the efficacy and reputation of providers. And Peter, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jane, and thank you for your work on the Ethics Committee and, and leading this this morning. I, I don't look at my bio very often, and it, it's neat to hear about the uh, Northern Arizona Recovery Association, NARA, and, and the Arizona Addiction Advocacy Coalition. Those roles are really what led me to my current position at NAATP. Um, Arizona came in as kind of a distant third to what we saw in California and Florida, and, and was really blown up with providers that were not engaged in addiction treatment to help patients. They, they were in it for money. We saw a lot of the same behaviors and, and maybe just got away with not quite as much publicity. And I attended an NAATP conference, and I heard other people that were doing the same kinds of work that we were trying to do in Arizona uh, and bring greater transparency to the field and, and mostly enhance access and quality of addiction treatment services. And, and that's really the mission of the National Association is enhancing access to quality addiction services. Um, despite our, our primary purpose being access to quality care, most of my time over the last two years since I joined NAATP has been focused on internet marketing. The patient's not even into treatment yet. We can't look at how the quality of their services, how to improve that, how to improve outcomes. We're stuck looking at how they're getting there and how they're being misled in getting there. Um, this slide up now is looking at the last four conferences from the National Association. And all of these orange presentations are focused on internet marketing. We're averaging three presentations a year on this topic. Taking a little bit of a look at the Quality Assurance Initiative, which is what this conference is built around. Uh, this way predates January of 2016. Uh, that's the earliest record that I have, and that's when we initiated our current ethics complaint process. Uh, moving forward, we launched the Quality Assurance Initiative in September of 2017, about two years ago, Google, Google restricted AdWords. Um, shortly after a presentation at NAATP in Austin, Texas, if any of you were there, you probably remember it, it was very heated. There were people in the audience that got up and, and were yelling at the speaker, um, asking very pointed, angry questions about what was happening. Um, moving forward to the beginning of 2018, we made the decision not to reinvite 78 member facilities into our association, elected not to renew their memberships. Uh, we revised our complaint process, updated our membership conditions, and made it more rigid that members had to agree to abide by 
our, our code of ethics, our membership criteria, uh, now this quality assurance initiative. Uh, in March, we released a treatment discernment guide, uh, a resource aimed at consumers, trying to help them differentiate quality addiction care from all the other facilities that are marketing online. Um, moving up to more recently, and, and one of the pieces that really has the potential to impact quality care is the outcomes toolkit. Um, I, I think that that's a real gift to the field that NAATP and Omni Research built, and it, it's a little bit sad to me that despite that, there's still such a focus on marketing. We're not looking at how to make people well as much as how to get them into treatment, and with the National Association, looking at how to protect them as they're looking to get into treatment. Uh, and then the final thing on there is the beta release of the Quality Assurance Guidebook. Uh, I've heard other people say this at the, the conference, the, the guidebook has a, a duh factor to it. Uh, in writing this, everything in there are, are things that quality addiction treatment providers should be doing already. There's nothing new, there's nothing innovative about it, except that it's listing those competencies out and, and getting the commentary from people within our membership and within the field and experts trying to help justify these base practices to raise the standard of addiction care. This is a slide looking at the, the types of ethics complaints we get. That big orange bar there at the bottom are all the complaints focused on marketing. It's a little over 60% of the complaints we receive. Uh, for every complaint that's actually filed with us, I probably received five emails saying, these people are doing this, or sending me a screenshot of some apparently deceptive behavior. Over the last year, what we've seen is that most of those complaints and emails that we receive are not actually abusive behavior. It's misunderstanding from the field and, and not knowing how Google works. And so that's going to be most of what I talk about further on in these slides. Um, education is key. Google is complex. The way that it works is complex. How ads appear is complex. Um, most of the, the companies that appear to be advertising on your name are not. Um, Google's alg algorithms are sophisticated. John McGee will talk more about that and be able to give more of an explanation than I can. I'm, I'm pretty much a layperson with that. And the other thing that I heard even in our presentation yesterday is about location searches. And when I search for addiction treatment in Colorado, Colorado is not the keyword there. Um, addiction treatment is. That's where the demand is. And so just because you searched something doesn't mean that those terms are why the, the ad appears. Um, since LegitScript came in and, and was offering certification, we've seen a major reduction in misleading content. And that's not just an ads. It's had a ripple effect out, which we're really pleased about. Um, we see greater regulatory scrutiny from LegitScript, from others. There's been better education to consumers. They're better able to discern what a deceptive ad is and, and how to avoid those facilities. Um, there's starting to be less profit available for those deceptive sites. And efforts to shift behavior rather than penalize it um, ha have really been effective. And an example of that is one of the facilities that was not re-invited to renew their membership shuttered 100 websites that were not branded in order to comply with our standards and rejoin. And a year after rejoining, all of those 100 sites are still bound. And, and that's been our goal this entire time. Our ethics code, and, and when we decide not to renew a member or to uh, deny a, a membership application, or if something comes through the ethics committee and a member is actually formally removed, that's not our goal. We want them to, to comply. Um, and, and our suggestion has never been that these facilities offer bad treatment. It's that some of the marketing practices are deceptive, and that's the piece that we've really been trying to focus on, and I think that that's also what the has been doing, and for the most part doing very successfully.
um, focusing in more on ads, we see very few deceptive ads now. Um, most of the ads that we do see that appear to be deceptive are not actually a violation of our code of ethics, and to my understanding, not a violation of LegitScript standards or Google policy. Um, ads are not always what they appear to be. As I've said, there's a lot of nuance and complexity in it. In it. The main three things that we see relate to broad match, the dynamic keyword insertion, and location searches. Um, we do still see a few remaining ads that are deceptive on mobile platforms. As we see those, we report them to LegitScript and Google, um, and we've seen a lot of good work to get those taken down quickly. Um, and Google's work to close the loopholes that, that were initially there with the restricted terms lists. Uh, for a while, if you searched for treatment center names, there'd be the aggregation list that would pop up. I'm seeing very few of those, and when they appear, they tend to be fairly short-lived. Um, jumping into a little bit of, of those three categories, Google's algorithm uh, for broad match has identified that treatment centers are analogous to some of the generic terms, drug rehab center, treatment center, those kinds of things. So when a consumer searches for a specific facility, that algorithm um, equates it to some of those generic terms. So if I'm searching for Cumberland Heights, it may think that that's analogous to drug treatment center um, and place an ad for a company that's bidding on drug treatment center. Um, when you notice these ads showing up, th there's nothing in violation of our code of ethics currently or with Google policy in bidding on another treatment center's name. We, we don't like it, but it, it's Google's policy. We can't impact that, and the FTC has come out supporting your right to do so. We can also say that it, it can be... Um, it can have an impact on our collegiality and our, our willingness to work with each other. And so you could request that they add you as a negative keyword, whether they're bidding on it directly or it's this broad match, and, and have it so that it doesn't show up. And I think that that's a value on both sides. It's more expensive when your ad is appearing where you don't want it to, and you're not building those um, adversarial relationships with other treatment centers. Here's an example of this. Lakeside Milan, which is one of our member facilities, Carl Kester, board member, said I could use his company here. Uh, this was a search from a few days ago. There are no addiction-related terms in that search. Um, this facility's ad popped up for the search for Lakeside Milam, and in this case, they, they use the URL to track traffic to the page in their search results. And you can see highlighted there on the top, match type equals B. It's a broad match type. And the keyword that triggered this ad to be placed is inpatient drug rehab facility. So there's no overlapping terms between Lakeside Milam and the keywords that were searched for, but because the algorithm has identified Lakeside Milam is relating to inpatient drug rehab facility, the ad was placed. There was no intention for this facility's ad to show up in the search for Lakeside Milam. This is an example of the dynamic keyword insertion. Um, the search here, if you can't read it, it's pretty small. It's Colorado Springs Detox. The facility that, that has an ad posted is in Florida. Um, they don't offer any treatment services in Colorado Springs. They're also not attempting directly to have Colorado Springs in the headline for their ad. If you can't read that, it says, Colorado Springs Detox, most major insurance accepted. The way that they've set up their ad campaign and, and the headline of their ads, when their ad is triggered, it automatically places the search term into the headline so that it appears to be more relevant. Um, NAATP doesn't like this. The, the ad, intended or not, does appear to be deceptive to us. 
it's not directly a violation and instead of disciplining, we'd like to educate this facility or others doing the same thing on how this appears to other treatment providers and consumers and how it can be misleading so they change it. This is an example um, of the location again. Um, this was sent to me a couple weeks ago. The search was made in Tennessee for drug treatment in Colorado. None of these facilities are based in Colorado. Um, and people don't understand that when they put Colorado in the search term or Florida or Michigan or Tennessee, that that's not the keyword in most cases unless somebody has a very targeted campaign. And so drug treatment here is what's relevant. Um, the person is bidding on drug treatment and they're, they're bidding on an area where the search was made. In this case, it was made in Tennessee. So playing that out a little bit further, this is a silly example. I searched for drug treatment on Saturn. I think we all know that there's no treatment centers on Saturn, at least I hope not. Um, but there are search results, or there are ads placed. And in this one, again, they use that um, URL where you can see what triggered the ad, and you can see that the keyword is alcohol and drug treatment centers. So in this case, drug treatment triggered the ad, not Saturn. Um, I think it's interesting that the first organic search result is for Southern African Treatment Resistance Network, uh, Saturn. And so that's relevant. It placed at the top of the organic search results. I, I opened talking about this a little bit. Um, it's unfortunate to me that we're spending so much of our limited resource as an association focused on marketing. Uh, it's been my main role for the last two years. I'd really like to work on policy and, and enhancing patient experience, enhancing outcomes, making treatment better for patients. Uh, this work is interesting to see all the different ways that marketing has evolved and the complexity of it. It's something that I didn't know anything about. But this doesn't help patients. It's just preventing them from being misled and educating our field on how the system works. Um, the, the solutions are imperfect. I think that all of us would admit that, but we've seen a lot of progress. Um, and there's a shared responsibility as we're moving forward to understand it ourselves, to educate our competitors, the companies that we work with, and, and move this field forward so that it's not a continued focus. I'd, I'd really love it if next year at NAATP 2020 in San Diego, we came together and could really focus on the clinical quality care components rather than rehashing this marketing piece again. Um, and working towards enhancing the changes that are in place now um, making them more perfect rather than continuing to push back on some of the regulation that we see. Thank you. Our next panelist is uh, John Horton. He's the CEO of Legit Scripts. And um, Legit Scripts is a certification monitoring and compliance company based in Portland, Oregon. They have uh, clients that include Google, Bing, Amazon, Visa, Facebook, Pinterest, the FDA, the Department of Justice, and the Japanese Ministry of Health. There's probably an interesting story behind that, isn't it, John? Um, John also worked, and many of you may not know this, as Associate Deputy Director for State and Local Affairs in the Office of National Drug Control Policy from 2002 to 2007 where he helped the U.S. Drug Czar coordinate National Drug Council treatment and prevention policies. Before that, he prosecuted narcotics cases and served as a drug court prosecutor. John attended law school in both the U.S. and Japan, so that might be where the link is, you know, maybe. maybe. You know, without any further ado, I'd like to present John Horton. Thank you.
All right, who is here from the West Coast, California, Washington? All right, 5.30 a.m., right? <laughs> no, I, I was one this morning who went to the, the Pete's Coffee and was like, I'd like a cup of coffee with about five shots of espresso in it, if you don't mind. Um, how many of you are legit script certified? Can I see a show of hands? All right, that is cool to see. Wow, congratulations, and thank you. Um, it's Over the last year, it's really been a pleasure to to work with all of you, and I also want to say thank you to the NATP for all of the work you've done. Um, we've really appreciated the input that we've gotten from you, and also um, when you've you know, sent us some information about what you've seen on, in the ad space. Um, it's been a really interesting year, and what I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, today, as will Caitlin Clark uh, from my team, we'll be talking just a little bit about our company so that you can know who we are for those of you who we haven't met before, um, and then talk a little bit about how things are going. Um, talk about our standards and talk about uh, the, the certification program and what we're seeing out there. So a little bit about LegitScript. We're in Portland, Oregon. We've got about 110 people on staff and uh, our, our mission is to work with companies in the internet space and in the payment space, uh, so like banks and payment providers, uh, to help monitor um, and, and keep clean a number of sectors, not only in the addiction treatment sector, but uh, in the internet pharmacy space, telemedicine space, some areas that don't relate to, to healthcare, um, internet gambling, I guess tobacco relates to healthcare, uh, payday loans, that whole sort of thing. But the addiction treatment world is a very important one to us. It's important to me personally. As you've heard, a lot of my background has to do with uh, you know, the drug crisis in this, in this country, especially the prescription drug abuse problem, the opioid problem. It's a problem that not only do I care about personally, but one of the things that when we hire people on staff that we look for um, is people who are going to be passionate about trying to make this problem smaller. And I know that's how all of you feel as well. And uh, you're you're on the ground. Uh, you're working with people directly, and uh, just have no doubt that the the work you do um, really is important. And I know it's a phrase that can sometimes feel like it's in quotes or whatever used, but it, I know you see it. Or you you really really do. Uh, save lives, and uh, we're really, really proud and pleased to support your efforts. So as I said, uh, we're not only in the addiction treatment space in terms of what we, we monitor, um, and in some cases certify, but there's a number of problems out there, fraud, uh, gambling, uh, some of this uh, hate and harm, um, which means some of the, um, for example, um, the, the Aryan groups so that we help the payment providers make sure they're not doing business with, uh, certain types of uh, child exploitation, human trafficking, um, intellectual property violations, uh, money laundering. Um, I'm reading a book uh, right now. Who's read the book Dope Sick? Yeah, I just started that book. It's really interesting. And before that, I, I just finished a book called The Mastermind, uh, which talks about uh, read it if you get a chance. We're actually in the book. It's about um, one of the world's largest rogue internet pharmacy operations that got shut down a few years ago and how they um, not only fueled the internet uh, portion of the prescription drug abuse problem, but used that money to do things like uh, sell missile defense technology to Iran, import meth from North Korea, do a whole bunch of bad things. So, you know, the, the problems that we all work on here, in many ways, uh, have a larger footprint that goes outside just what we all see every day. So why we do this, you know this better than I do. Um, we have seen the devastating effects uh, of this problem in this country. It's, you know, the causes have sort of uh, changed to some degree over the years. There's been the problem of overprescribing. There's been the problem of the internet. Um, you know, there's been now this fentanyl problem from China, um, but at the end of the day, um, patients and families uh, need our collective help. 
and one of the most important parts of the problem. Even though I was originally a prosecutor, when I got into the drug court, I, I really saw the importance of treatment, both prevention and treatment. Um, and so uh, we do this in order to support uh, your efforts and to help uh, make sure that the industry, to the extent possible, um, is adhering to, to standards. So when I came here a year ago and I met some of you, um, we were really at the beginning of the journey uh, with Google. Um, and then, of course, now, now Facebook and Bing have also implemented policies requiring legit script certification. And one of the things that we tried to do is to say, what, what can this look like a year from now? What we want to do is make sure that at least starting with the ad space, uh, that we have advertisers there that are adhering to certain ethical uh, and transparency standards to the extent possible. And by way of illustration, in 2010, we actually started working um, in the internet pharmacy space, helping Google, Bing, other providers monitor the ads for prescription drug sales. Obviously, you can have a legitimate internet pharmacy that's doing everything right. But if you're selling prescription drugs, particularly those that have abuse potential without a prescription, or selling counterfeit drugs, um, that's obviously a problem. When we started uh, in that space, uh, about roughly 85 to 90% of all the ads uh, were illicit. They were either illegal or not adhering to um, proper ethical standards. And then, so this is the internet pharmacy space I'm talking about right now. Um, when, when, we, when we went back a few years later um, and measured it, uh, it, was a, um, it was down to, let's see, a 99.8% reduction. So it was only about, I think, 0.16% of all prescription drug ads, um, as opposed to what it had been before, 85 or 90% um, were illicit. So only about one in 600. And, and that's about where it stayed. Um, it's pretty tough to get to literally zero. Uh, but when you can get down to that 99.8, 99% level of ads appearing uh, in a way that adheres to these standards, um, I think it's a real win. And I think we've seen the same thing here in the ad space in the addiction treatment world. And what we did a few weeks ago is we went back and compared the original data that we had when we started, and then we compared what it looks like today. Um, we're not at zero. Um, there are still some ads uh, that slip through the filters, but it's been over a 99% reduction based on the data that we've seen in the ads that fail to comply uh, with Google's requirements and, and, of course, our certification standards um, that aim to have certain quality, ethical, and transparency uh, goals. So our goal is, is to continue to improve that. Uh, we don't want to keep it at 99.3. Um, in an ideal world, you get to 100%. But I think that uh, the important thing is to get as far along that road as we can, and then just keep an eye on those that slip through the filters and uh, let Google know, um, as, and others, as quickly as possible when we see those. And what I would say to you is you know we've heard from some of you from time to time, and I really appreciate this when you've seen ads on, on Google or Bing or Facebook and said, "Hey, wait a minute, legit script? Why did you certify these guys?" And the answer that universally we've seen is, "Well, we didn't." But as you heard Peter say, Google and Bing and Facebook sort of have a complex system, and as you can appreciate, sometimes um, some organizations try to game the system and get in through those filters, and usually it doesn't work, but occasionally it does. So what I would say is. Let us know. We don't want to see that either. Um, my gosh, if it was somebody that was legit script certified that you see doing something they think they shouldn't, by all means do let us know, but also recognize that where we have seen those occasional ads still pop through that 0.7%, um, that's just a, 
a way of getting in through those filters, various innovative methods, and we're trying to keep an eye on that as well. So thank you for you've let us know about that, and please continue to do so. And thank you to Peter as well for all the times you've let us know about that as well. So a brief timeline um, of what's happened in the last year. Um, in April, uh, we, we, I'd call it a little bit of a, almost a, a beta where we accepted a very limited number of uh, applications between April and July, um, just to, I think it was about 30, um, just to sort of get, get our legs under us and sort of work through um, our standards and how the process would work. And then we launched in mid-July of last year. You know, it's sort of funny when I was talking to Google initially about this, uh, about a year and a half ago, I said, well, how, how many applicants do you think we're gonna have? You know, we sort of need to plan in terms of, of staffing and our resources. I said, well, you know, we're not really sure, but I think maybe about uh, 300 or so over the course of a year. And uh, so we launched the program, and then two or three days later, I sort of checked back with our staff, and I said, how are we doing? Do we have like, you know, 10 or 15 or 20? And they said, no, it's over 300. <laughs> So um, the, the pace and, and uh, the number of applications really greatly exceeded uh, what we thought, um, which we're really pleased about. And what, what's happened over the last year is, as you know, Google originally implemented their policy requirements, and then uh, Facebook and Bing, which are the other two primary uh, advertising venues on the internet, uh, followed as well. So we've been pleased uh, to have those partnerships as well. And um, the, the Bing one is, of course, newest. Um, and uh, we're, we're glad to have those relationships and hopefully um, be able to achieve that 99% or more uh, reduction in ads that are of concern on those platforms as well. So when I came here um, about a year ago, I, I think I only made one promise, which was that a year from now, which is now, uh, a year from then, which is now, uh, that we would look back and I would say, well, uh, there were probably things that we couldn't anticipate and, and things that we probably didn't quite write get quite right. And so while I think some things, uh, most things have gone really well with the program, I think there's a couple of things we didn't get quite right. I just wanted to let you into my thinking on that. Um, so, you know, one of the things uh, is because we didn't anticipate the number of applications originally, it was really hard to know, I know that the, the speed at which we have been able to, to process um, a lot of these applications um, has not been as fast as I would have hoped. And I think that for some of you that, you know, that was frustrating. And I, I get that, I share that frustration. Um, you know, the reasons, candidly, were just it was really hard to forecast um, the number of applications we were going to get. But going forward, I think what we want to do is prioritize speed, not only for new um, applications, but also for the annual re-reviews. Um, that was not dissimilar to our other big certification program in the healthcare space, Internet Pharmacies and Telemedicine, when we first launched it. And we set a goal about a year ago of saying, you know, within about a year, we really want to be um, clipping along at a really good pace where people are not having to wait, um, you know, more than just hopefully just a few weeks, you know, two, three, four weeks. And so we are now at that place uh, where I think, you know, things are, are going at the speed we want them to, but that's sometimes just part of a new program. But I just wanted to acknowledge that um, I think that's something that was probably frustrating for some of you. And we've taken uh, that feedback seriously. And uh, NAACP has also shared that feedback with us. So thank you. Um, the other thing is, I think, in how we um, handled uh, pricing for especially nonprofits. Um, as you know, there was, as some of you may know, there was a, a waiver program in place where we were able to waive the fees. Um, for nonprofits. And the original idea there was we said, well, okay, gosh, here's our program operating costs. Here's how we think we can sort of, you know, hopefully uh, cover what we 
hoped was going to be all of the nonprofits, but again, we just didn't know how many there would be that would apply. And after waiving the fees for many nonprofits, um, we were not able to do so after all, just due to the normal program operating costs. Um, so as we looked at that coming up here in year two, you know, I, I, what we're thinking about, and, and this is not final, but just to let you know where my mind is right now, is I think we want to probably find some way of having uh, meaningfully reduced pricing uh, for nonprofits. I don't know if that will be all nonprofits. I, I know that there, um, you know, are, there's varying budgets, operating budgets for different types of nonprofits. But, but I think what we want to do is, especially for those that are operating on a slimmer budget, I think we want to find some way to accommodate that. I think what that means is that it's probably not going to be zero for nonprofits, but we're really going to do whatever we can um, to, to make it a meaningful price reduction. Um, because right now, the, the pricing is essentially the same for for-profits and nonprofits. That may mean some sort of adjustment for some for-profits, we're not sure yet, um, but we're taking a look at all of that, but I just want to acknowledge that I think we probably didn't get that quite right um, on the way that we uh, forecast the nonprofit price. So thank you for your patience and your input on all of that and going forward in the years to come, um, I always want us to be in a position of being able to come to you and say, here's what I think we have got right, here's where I think things are going well, and if we make, you know, um, have some approach that maybe didn't go as well as we hope. We want to own that and then move forward to improve it in the future. So again, just some of the benefits, and I think you know this about logistics certification. Um, of course, it is the, uh, the, the vehicle to be able to advertise Google, Facebook, and Bing. Uh, right now, that is a US-only policy. Um, I am not sure if that is going to be expanded to other countries. Um, some of those conversations have been happening, but we're not really sure where that's going to end up. Um, and of course, um, just the overall branding. We want LegitScript approval uh, to be meaningful. I think it is a symbol of trust. Um, our standards are, are high, um, but we think that's important. And I know your standards are high as well. So what I'm going to do at this point um, is turn this over uh, to my assistant director for certification. She runs our certification programs, Caitlin Clark. And are you going to give an introduction yeah. Great. Thanks. Thank you, John. So um, Caitlin Clark is the Assistant Director of Operations at LegitScripts, and if you're like me at my organization, that means she does all the work, right, John? Um, and uh, Caitlin does oversee the certification program, including addiction treatment certification, which launched in July of 2018 as part of a partnership with Google, Bing, and Facebook. Um, but she's also worked in the addiction treatment field uh, for 10 years, and she has worked both for for-profits and not-for-profits, and she's a certified alcohol and drug counselor in Oregon and nationally certified as an addiction counselor through NADAC. So I, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, it brings me comfort that both John and Caitlin um, have worked in our field and understand our field, um, and, and I think that means a lot, and I think that's intentional in, in your hires, and I, and I appreciate that. So um, Caitlin is going to tell, tell us more about the certification. Thank you, Jay and John and everyone else for being here today. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more in depth about the certification process. So who certification applies to? Depending on what platform you want to advertise on, our certification applies to three different types of 
facilities or merchants. One of those is our in-person addiction treatment certification, which means that you are providing clinical care at your facility in person or maybe via telemedicine with the patients or clients that you're working with. And that's regardless of the level of care that you're working in. So you could be doing outpatient, residential detox, PHP, any of those levels of care would fit into our in-person addiction treatment program. Our mutual support groups, uh, that's with Google and Bing. Facebook does not recognize mutual support group certification. And those mutual support groups are not in a clinical setting. It's helping people that are not in the professional world. Similar to an example could be a 12-step type group. And then crisis hotlines are only recognized by Google. And what crisis hotlines means to us is a call center or somewhere where someone can call in and get resources or get help or some kind of support in a non-clinical way from someone who's not providing any type of in-person treatment at that, at that facility or location. All right, so we're gonna talk a little bit more in depth about our certification standards and some of the things that are unique to LegitScript as a program and as a certification. So our certification standards fit into four different categories, transparency, compliance, business affiliations, and prior discipline. And if you go to our website at legitscript.com slash addiction, you can look at these certification standards more in depth. Um, obviously, there's quite a few of them, so I'm not going to go through all of those today with you, but I will talk to you about four standards that are pretty unique to LegitScript. Um, I think this what is what makes us special, this is what makes us good at what we do in this space, and what makes us trusted by not only NAATP, by Jay here, who's on our advisory committee, but also our partners like Google, Bing, and Facebook. So domain name registration is something that makes us very unique. And if you guys, like most of you have, has gone through our certification program, you will see us asking, please change your domain name registration on your websites or any domains that you own or want to get certified to public. And this just increases the transparency, which is another standard that's very unique to us and enables the public to be able to see who owns this website, who are you affiliated with, which also goes into our business practice standards that is very unique to us. We don't only look at your business practices, we look at the business practices of your affiliates, uh, your partners, people that you're associated with, and as you go through the process, you'll be getting questions from us about those affiliations and business practices and people that you're partnering with, not just in the addiction space, but in other, other spaces in terms of other types of business that you're associated with. And then our co-ownership standard is the fourth that makes us very unique, and this is talking about lead generation or directory type behavior. So any co-ownership or formal or informal relationship with a lead generator could be grounds for immediate denial. Um, that doesn't mean that it will, but we will evaluate that and work with you to see, you know, what is this ownership? Is this something that is just showing up on you know, the domain name search and, and maybe you're not affiliated with it, maybe it's an older website that you owned at some point and we're gonna work with you to see what's going on there and really get to the bottom of that. 
So I know this is small, so I'm going to explain this to you. Uh, th this is just some examples of problematic behavior that could be a potential barrier to, to our certification. So the first picture here and the second, they have to do with lead generation and directory type behavior. So the first picture is showing click to find a detox center, and it has a directory in every state of a listing of detox centers. And these detox centers are not owned by the treatment center or the people that run this website. So essentially, this would be a violation of our lead generator standard. The second picture is talking about some SEO behavior, but it's, it's explicitly stating uh, the, the cost per call that you would need to spend to get some leads generated to you. And that's also the type of behavior that you know, we're frowning upon and that we would like to eliminate and see less of in terms of paying for someone to come to your facility. The third picture here is violating our transparency standards. So what this picture is showing is they have nationwide facilities. They're boasting a 98% success rate. Uh, for their patients, but they're not saying where that information is coming from. Um, they're also not saying which facility this is. If they're sending you to someone that, uh, this website, do they own the facilities that they're sending them to? They're not giving us any information that would make me, as a patient or a family member, comfortable with putting my information in here and knowing you know, where I'm actually going to end up, what that looks like, what the process is. So this is something that we will dig into as well. And one of my favorite parts about working at Logiscript and in this program, and I, I know Jay and uh, Peter and John already touched on this, but one of my favorite pieces is being able to educate and help teach and help someone come into compliance. So these types of behaviors, we will see them and we will work with you. So it's not something that, you know, I expect you to come to me and talk to my team and be perfect. I, what I love about this industry and these people sitting up here is that we're actually able to educate each other and we're all committed to that. So if you see these types of behaviors, as John touched on as well, please send them my way. Uh, we do have a report and addiction treatment facility feature on the LegitScript website. So Obviously, if you see some violative behavior or violative advertising or marketing practices, please feel free to send them our way and my team will take a look at them and see what we can do. So this is exciting. I'm excited about this slide because this is really the first time I've been able to stand in front of you and tell you how many certifications we have done since July when the program launched. Um, if you see at the bottom, this number was updated on April 25th, so we have done some more certifications since that time, but our number of merchants certified to date as of April 25th was 630, and the number of unique facilities, 1,580. And like I just mentioned, you know, some of these merchants that we have certified, they came to us and they were making some mistakes and they, they were make, had some violative behavior that wasn't a barrier for certification. It was a discussion that we could have and it was something that we could help teach them to change. And we, you know, we'll, we'll let you know that it's a barrier to certification. 
I'm not, I can't tell you what to do with your business practices, but we will help you and we can teach you how to be able to move forward with our certification while being the most transparent in your marketing as, as possible. Here's a breakdown in the certifications by state. I don't think any of us are surprised that California and Florida are the two largest states with the largest number of, of certified merchants just because the volume in those states is so large. But if you look at the rest of the map, we have had so much interest from across the nation. And it's been a really amazing thing to be able to see and meet and talk to so many different people across the country who are really want it, wanting it, invested, and committed to becoming more ethical in their marketing practices. So I'm going to go over some frequently asked questions. Um, this is coming from a lot of you. Um, we get a lot of questions from people and we are taking your feedback and trying to be uh, more transparent and make the process a little bit easier for you in terms of, I have all these questions, where can I find the answers to this information? So some things to know, lead generators are not part of our certification process. That type of behavior is a violation of our standards. Sober living homes are also not included in our certification process. That may change at some point in the future, but right now we are not able to certify independent sober living homes. The certification, the process, it depends on how long it takes. And you know, I know some of you have been frustrated uh, because we're unable to give a timeline, but because each treatment center is so unique, um, certain types of behavior, violative or not, are unique. Um, and like John explained, we got a very large volume in the beginning of the program that wasn't quite expected. The complexity of the application, the responsiveness of the person completing the application, answering our follow-up questions, all of those things factor into the timeline that it will take to become LegitScript certified. As John also mentioned, we the timeline that we have now is you know, quicker. It's, uh, we're getting through that volume and we're getting through those, that number of applications that we received in the beginning. And our timeline is definitely something that I'm proud to say is, uh, is a good one. So I'm hoping that anyone who hasn't applied yet or isn't certified yet, you'll be hearing from us really soon. So if you have questions about an application that you've already submitted, uh, please email certification at legitscript.com. That's the best way to reach one of our uh, drug and alcohol addiction treatment certification analysts and me. Um, if you have questions about an application that you haven't submitted, you're just wondering a little bit more about the process, you want to talk to one of our customer success specialists so they can send you some more information, please use one of the contact forms on our website and they'll be able to give you that information before you apply to make your process a little bit more smooth. Ongoing monitoring. Um, so this is something that I've gotten a lot of questions about from people. What does you know, the annual fee consist of? What is ongoing monitoring? What happens? Is it every month? You know, what is the frequency? And what I can say about it is that ongoing monitoring is something that happens throughout the year of your certification, which is where that annual fee really comes in and helps us with our work so we can continue to monitor for compliance. 
Um, there's a very good chance that any certified merchant will be hearing from one of my certification analysts, asking some follow-up questions, requesting uh, updated documentation, maybe your lease expired. So we check your entire file that you've given to us and everything that we've analyzed during our initial review process, and we continue checking that throughout the year. Certification, as I just said, lasts for a year. The recertification process is very similar to the initial certification process. We're doing a deep dive, again, of your information. Ask for updated information if we need to. Ask some further follow-up questions if we need some clarifications about the information that we're finding. Um, and if you do become recertified, then that will last for a year as well. We did create something just for you guys, um, and I would love to encourage you to go to our website, legitscript.com slash addiction dash primer. This is a very long document, 16 pages, but it's filled with a lot of FAQ questions. It'll give you the questionnaire questions that you know, if you have any questions on what does the process look like, can I prepare all this information before I hit apply and it takes me to that electronic questionnaire? This is something that you can go to our website now and download and it will hopefully answer a lot of your questions. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, our next panelist is John McGee. He's the managing partner at Web Consoles. Um, they are a certifi certified uh, Google Ad and Bing ad accredited professional. Uh, he has a, a management degree and a background in pro project management in the field of engineering and design, which we all know is related to internet marketing. But your quantitative skills um, help clients excel at PPC campaign strategy and ROI optimization, and he's here to share some of his thoughts on how you can improve your web marketing. Hello everyone, uh, my name is John McGee, I'm with Web Consoles. Um, my portion of this presentation is on implementing your strategy. Uh, so this is, we'll primarily focus on Google Ads. Um, so in general, something's going on in the industry right now where a lot of centers are wasting a lot of money accidentally and also being unethical to some degree accidentally. Um, this will be less of a presentation, more of kind of an informational workshop uh, to illustrate how that's going on and give some tangible action items to correct that. Um, so hopefully we can work towards resolving some of the marketing issues in the industry and at least to some degree move on to some other things. So uh, the objectives of this presentation or workshop uh, we're going to give some tangible solutions to current challenges, namely uh, other centers bidding on your brand name. Uh, we're going to illustrate how these solutions to this narrow, so, um, this narrow problem uh, are part of a larger overall strategy and demonstrate how that strategy is both ethical and profitable and show how this strategy is valuable in a multitude of scenarios. So jumping in, this is kind of a hot button issue right now in the industry. Uh, 
brand terms and other treatment centers, Google Ads showing for your brand name. As Peter mentioned, this is unintentional in the majority of the cases. Uh, one of the main reasons that this is unintentional is just because it's not profitable. So we'll get into that a little more. Um, but there are actions that you can take, something that you can do right now if you have your laptop with you that will help reduce instances of this occurring. So again, kind of piggybacking off what uh, Peter talked about, uh, broad match keywords have a lot to do with what's going on right now with not only the trademark infringement with bidding on others' names, but uh, with a lot of the, I guess, non-transparency um, in ads. So broad match keywords and kind of explaining what that is and taking a step back just for those of you who are a little unfamiliar with it. Um, Google Ads, the, the lifeblood of Google Ads is keywords and what they refer to as match types. So there are five match types, broad, broad match modifier, phrase, exact, and negative. And essentially what match types are are rules. Establish two keywords and those rules dictate what exactly the query or search has to have in it to trigger your ad. Broad match, just in a nutshell, doesn't have any rules associated with it. Um, Google Ads is somewhat of a deceiving platform. Uh, it, it can appear very easy. Uh, and if you, essentially if you just log in and type in a word without adding any characters or establishing any rules for that word, uh, it leaves it up to Google to decide what is relevant to your keywords. Um, namely, going back to the uh, brands, other brands showing through your brand term. Um, as Peter mentioned, Google has now identified treatment center names as treatment center terms. So that's why a search for Seabrook, for example, uh, can trigger an ad when the keyword is just set to recovery center, whatever the case may be. This can be stopped by just adding negative keywords or using different types, different match types, or in short, establishing rules. So just to kind of give an example, uh, focusing on broad match and exactly what these rules mean. So uh, it, it extends beyond um, just the the brand name or the trademark infringement piece of it. Uh, this is actually a problem that, uh, if corrected, will help in solving a lot of the issues going on right now in, with marketing in the industry. So if no rules are established, and let's just say, for example, I have an addiction treatment center in Michigan, and I'm going after the keyword Michigan Rehab, but I have established no rules. I just type that in, and anything that Google thinks is a close match to what that is, can trigger my ad. So in that case, I've established no rules, the search Florida Rehab will trigger for my keyword Michigan Rehab. Even though that is clearly not you know, the case or what I'm going after, I'm not meaning to advertise in Florida, but by accident I've established no rules and now I am advertising in Florida. Uh, this can mean that your ad shows for a laundry list of things that are irrelevant. Uh, if, We'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, these are just some examples of things that will show up. Uh, it's, they can be very interesting. Um, this is just what users type in that actually trigger your ad. Establishing rules um, is basically just exactly what it sounds like. If you, if you dictate to Google that certain things must, must be in the search for your ad to show, 
it increases the relevancy or increases the precision. So one of those rules are just negative keywords, which Peter touched on earlier. And I just I wanted to kind of expand on that a little bit. Um, a negative keyword is just a word added that, that will block your ad from showing if that word is shown or if that word is typed in the keyword query. So for example, kind of going back to the last slide, if I go in and add cancer, juice, celebrity, etc., to my negative keyword list, any searches that contain those terms will block my ad from showing. And this is really important. So this is, um, as we'll show on the next slide, this is really the, the fix for the trademark infringement issue that's going on right now uh, in kind of a roundabout way. Uh, but it will also help uh, everything be more ethical and both ethical and profitable. So going back to my Michigan and Florida example, the fix for that is just me adding Florida as a negative keyword. When I do that, that establishes a rule that tells Google, you know, my ads can't show for any searches that contain the word Florida and therefore that search terms blocked. So this is the action item um, and feel free to if you need a screenshot of this or uh, for me to show you where to go to do this. But uh, for anyone that's familiar with it, log into AdWords, go to the keyword tab and don't look at the keywords. They, that's kind of the thing that's front and center, but that's not really what you want to see. Go over and click search terms and that will show you what's called the what, are, what I refer to as just the raw search report. So this is what users actually typed into Google to trigger your ad. And it'll, it'll look really similar to this. Um, in short, the, the way I do it for speed is if you see those little boxes to the left of the terms, you can select all those, hit add as negative keyword at the top, and um, just go in and tweak you know, what you want, what term to block. So a lot of times, you know, these are kind of long tail keywords. Um, so you may just want to block one term from it. If, if you want to do that, just kind of select that term, delete the rest, and add it as a negative keyword. Um, this will help tremendously. We, we've seen, uh, you know, I mean, frankly, a lot of centers in the industry and even a lot in this room are wasting thousands of dollars a month in this way. Uh, without fail, almost every um, account that we look at initially is just bleeding money uh, in this way. So. Not only is this not profitable and you know wasting spend, but it's also not ethical. Um, so, as we mentioned, or as I mentioned earlier, this kind of ties to a hot button issue right now with the the trademark infringement or bidding on others' brand names. Um, so, in in kind of a an odd way, this is the fix for it. There aren't really a whole lot of items at least action items, things that you can take care of right now to stop others from bidding on your brand name, but everybody in this room can stop bidding on everybody else's. So if you do that on a mass scale, that's the solution. So uh, that just illustrates, kind of goes into broad match and what exactly that is, or match types and that whole thing. I know some of that can get a little confusing, but. Uh, Basically, just adding negative keywords or establishing rules gives you more control over your Google Ads account. So uh, that's just that's kind of a narrow problem or something that's going on right now. Um, I, I really just wanted to tie this to an overall 
the, the bigger picture overall digital strategy. Um, so the money spent that was wasted in the previous slide is wasted because it's not, it's spent on things that aren't relevant. It's not precise. So um, again, you know, kind of using the Michigan and Florida example, you know, the reason, and this may be kind of self-explanatory, but I mean, the reason that at me advertising in Florida is uh, bad is basically because it's not relevant. Uh, that's bad both from, you know, a marketing or profit standpoint and also from an ethics standpoint. Uh, the lower the relevancy or precision, uh, the lower the conversion rate, the lower, uh, you know, the chance someone will actually need the type of treatment that you're offering. Um, Google also rewards relevancy with something called quality score. Uh, I won't get too much into that, but in short, the more relevant you are, the better things are, both in Google's eyes, from the user's eyes, and from a financial standpoint. Uh, so again, kind of using the, the Michigan example, uh, Michigan Rehab is going to have a lot lower cost, a lot better conversion rate than Florida Rehab. So that's kind of just how it ties to an overall the overall digital strategy, just kind of using that example uh, that we discussed initially. So economics dictates that there's supply and demand for everything. So essentially each center has its own unique demand, its own group of individuals, users, or uh, that need the services and the type of treatment that you offer. They, they need exactly what you do. Um, every treatment center has one. Uh, we call it your unique demand. Everyone is different. It varies based on a multitude of factors, location, facility size, um, you know, just programs, therapies offered, uh, whatever the case may be. But those searching for treatment within your unique demand are going to have the lowest CPA. And just uh, kind of a quick disclaimer, uh, I use some economic or financial terms in this. I don't want that to be taken as uh, insensitive to uh, the nature of uh, those that need help, I just, uh, just for uh, simplicity's sake, I'm just going to use these terms to make the point. Okay, so really focusing on precision and getting better control over your Google Ads and really having the mindset, it's really more of a mindset than a strategy, having the mindset that you want to provide unfiltered, relevant information to the user. Just focusing on giving them information will always work out, will always win. You'll, you'll achieve every other marketing goal at every stage if that is your mindset and that's what you focus on. Not getting patients in the door or anything like that, just providing information. The rest will come. So I wanted to illustrate kind of how this leaks out from, you know, the industry or here, your center, and, and really... Uh, to society as a whole. So how this strategy helps you. Um, obviously, I mean, ma maximizing advertising uh, to your unique demand first is, is really the way you want to go. So identifying your demand, whether that be location or uh, type of treatment you know you offer or anything like that. If Going back to the Michigan and Florida example, if, if I own a uh, Treatment program in Michigan, my unique demand, and I'll have to figure it out. It will vary some, but you know, for me, it's probably going to be uh, within Michigan, you know, a local area, 
Um, and then I can also advertise to individuals throughout the United States or the world that indicate that they want to come to Michigan through search. Then I can also go after uh, very specific treatment types, just you know, dual diagnosis treatment for adolescents, for example. Um, just really go after things that are kind of the low-hanging fruit leads and maximize that first. Make sure I get 100% of those searches, and then I can move on to other things if desired. Um, this is beneficial for a couple of reasons, um, just kind of piggybacking off of what we've already discussed. One, it is, it is ethical, and this strategy is both ethical and profitable, kind of as we mentioned, throughout every stage. So this is ethical because it provides more transparency for the user. It's not confusing. It doesn't, you know, give them misinformation or anything like that. It makes it a much easier process, makes them more comfortable. Uh, they get better information quicker, basically. And uh, it's profitable because it lowers your overall CPA. If you stay within your demand pool, by definition, that's going to have the lowest cost. Uh, kind of expanding the reach a little bit and explaining how this helps the industry. So Google Ads is an auction-based system. Essentially what that means is that there are other, other factors. It's a little more complicated, but just in general, it's an auction-based system, meaning you, you bid against other people. Um, and when you get into someone else's market share or unique demand, you raise the cost for them. Uh, just by definition, you're going to try to outbid each other. Um, if you move advertising into your own unique demand and go after things that have the lowest CPA for you, that is not only going to help you, that's going to, you know, using the Michigan and Florida example, that's going to help the treatment center in Florida. Now I'm not in his backyard anymore. You know, I've, I've moved uh, to Michigan and, and advertising more for what I do. Um, and again, not only is this ethical, but it is more profitable. Uh, you know, now I'm not by accident, again, advertising in Florida. Um, that's ethical within the industry, you know, uh, between treatment centers, but it's also, you know, obviously ethical to the user. Uh, it, it doesn't provide um, you know, any misinformation to the user. It gives them, again, better information quicker. Uh, another thing that this strategy will help do, and if you know, we stick to it as an industry, um, will really help, is this helps like, provide separation between the good guys and bad guys a little bit. Because something that's going on right now is this makes a gray area in addiction treatment advertising. It happens by accident. People, a lot of treatment centers don't know they're doing it, but they haven't established rules. And when that happens, reputable centers can show up for things that they don't do. Um, that makes it kind of the wild west on the internet. You know, it kind of makes it seem like everybody's doing it. If establishing the strategy, focusing on precision and providing information to the user, will really help, you know, say a lot of those in this room, kind of button everything up and really provide a lot of separation between you and the unethical practices and make it a lot more apparent. Users are smart these days, and um, if you provide that separation, the bad guys, so to speak, are going to have to get more and more desperate. Uh, and they're going to have to do more and more things to try to, you know, not be so blatantly unethical. Um, so. That's another good thing about it. Uh, 
And then kind of last, how this helps society as a whole. Uh, focusing on relevancy and precision, like I've already mentioned, um, it, it helps, you know, it's both profitable and it's ethical, but um, it helps society more in, in the ethical way. Um, just kind of thinking about someone that, that's calling and, and looking for treatment, uh, it takes a tremendous amount of courage in the situation they're in to pick up the phone and to seek help. Uh, so we really have an obligation as an industry to really extend the threshold of ethics. It, it doesn't begin when you pick up the phone, it begins when people make first contact with you. Uh, and that's not the phone call, that's Google. That's, that's the first time they see you. A lot of people's initial um, dealings with your center are going to be on Google. They are going to be what they see on your website or written in your ads. Um, and the, your ethics are you know, really at play there first. And uh, we really have an obligation as an industry to, to make sure that we are ethical and that we do stick to this type of strategy. Um, because a lot of those people that, you know, takes courage to pick up the phone and call, um, you know, they're, they're in a really delicate state. If we give them misinformation, uh, that kind of plays into their negative mindset, you know, like, oh, well, I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have reached out anyway, like, this isn't for me, something like that. It, uh, it, it muddies that whole process, which isn't something that's good when uh, somebody's in that delicate state. Um, some of those people hang up and they'll never call back. So this strategy really helps. It's a win-win across the board, really. Uh, it's profitable, which you know, I think everybody would like. But I mean, above all, it's, it's ethical. And sticking to this will help all of us do what we're really here to do, and that's help people. So just some takeaways uh, from this. Uh, I would encourage each center to really pinpoint or find your unique demand. That's, that's really going to be something that's going to establish a target for you, know, kind of something to base everything around uh, and make sure you're ethical. Um, regularly mark, monitor your search data. Uh, again, that's the raw search. Uh, I'll show that to anybody that wants to see it. Um, I know it was just a little small screenshot. but. Uh, Go through that regularly and make sure that you block things that, you know, would be unethical or would be unprofitable. If you don't do it, don't, you know, block it. I mean, it, it takes uh, five minutes a day. It's just basic maintenance. If you're running Google Ads, uh, you should definitely do it. Um, and then, again, to kind of pin, or piggyback off that, develop a Google Ads strategy that targets that unique demand, that targets people that need exactly what you offer first. Thank you. I'd like to thank all of our panelists coming today. It was very informative. Um, always eager to hear what's going on and appreciate all the work that all of you do um, to help further our field. I um, want to remind everybody that the next session is back in the same room at 1030. Um, that session will um, talk about the NAT Outcomes Toolkit. So we talked a little bit about that this weekend. That's been a project that has been uh, over a three-year process, and I'm real excited to hear the takeaways from that. And um, in the meantime, visit the exhibitors, get some coffee or a snack, and uh, thank you very much.